This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Last week we started uh, a new series called God's Family, and I put His Church, and actually this week I kind of changed it, I said my church. I said, I want you to see this as God speaking to you, this is your church. God's family is the church. When you get saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, you are put into the church universal, or we could say the planet earth church. But then God wants you to be planted into a local church that you can know people, that you can do life together, that you can have that encouragement, and you can have that place of strength. And we're going to look at that and unfold that some more. Last week we started it, and if you were not here, if you were off uh, shooting firecrackers somewhere, <laughs> celebrating the 4th of July, get online and listen to that, or get the CD, order it, and uh, feed on the Word of God. You cannot hear the Word just once and have it. You have to keep listening and listening, and God will speak something different to you every time that you hear it. Every time that the Word is ministered, you're hearing your own sermon. You're hearing what God is speaking to you. So listen and, and get those CDs and continue to hear. But we looked at last week, we started with family is important to God. And in our culture, there's a huge move away from family, that there's more the individual. There's this pursuit of individual well-being. And it's all in our culture. And God gave us family is really the antidote to that. He gave us the answer to that issue and that problem is family. And even if you're single, in the, in the natural, God wants you to have family, a spiritual family called his church. And God puts us together, and it's his family. He's the head of it, not... Um, me as pastor is an under-shepherd. He's the shepherd. This is his family. Say, so I'm a part of his family. That's what the church is. And we saw that one out of 25 people are people who have no conscience at all. They will do anything and have no guilt. And we have to... And plus in the world... Even beyond that, you have anti-God, it's anti-faith, it's, it's anti-what God stands for, a lot of it. So we have our church family, a place that we can be encouraged and strengthened. So it's very important to God. And we looked at Father, actually the name family comes out of the word Father, and you could say Father and family are really the same word. See, God the Father is a family God. This has always been his, his plan to have family. And we're a part of his family when you accept Jesus Christ as Lord. But he wants you planted into a local church. And we saw that you flourish. Those that are planted in a church, that means you're committed. That means you dug in. You're in the ground. You're involved. You're not just being replanted. <laughs> you're there. And it says, the Bible says you'll flourish. One translation said you'll be fat and green. 
Now, I want to see some fat and green people around here in the spirit. No incredible hulks. Okay. <laughs> these sociopaths, the, these people, we see them on the news. We see people that will do things that we can't imagine doing, and they have no conscience about it. But we know the family of God is to help you look at other people that maybe you wouldn't see or know before. Just look to your neighbor and say, I probably wouldn't know you if it wasn't for God's family. <laughs> so God is a family God, and every, need, every person needs a church family, a spiritual family. And it is so important. And it's an awesome family. It's awesome because you're in it. That's the reason it's awesome. We've already called each other awesome because we're awesome. Why are you awesome? Because we're in his family. That's all it takes to be a part of his family. We find in John chapter 21, there was an interesting story after... Jesus was raised from the dead. And the first point, uh, you see this in your notes, is Church of the Harvest is a fishing church. It's a fishing church. After uh, Jesus was raised from the dead, he separated from the disciples for a while, and he said, look, go to Galilee, I'll catch up with you. And during this time, Peter was wondering what to do. Jesus is gone. What am I to do? And he gets this idea to go fishing. And he got six of the other disciples to follow him and said, we're going fishing. So they go off to go fishing. Leave everything behind to go fishing. And this is when Jesus, you remember he's on the shore. They fished all night. And he calls out, and he says, boys, have you called anything? And they said, no, none. Ever been there? Any fishermen in the house? Anybody in here has never been fishing? There's a few of you. See Mike Sr. and Nancy after... <laughs> need to go fishing sometime just to experience it but they've caught nothing and I know that feeling caught nothing in fact me and two or three friends David David was there <laughs> he knows he's back there going where we fished all day caught nothing and then got this wild, strange thought to go fishing at night. We left Mississippi and went to Arkansas to fish all night and caught nothing. <laughs> now that's enough to make you never fish again almost. Now we had a great time but we were some very tired human beings and grumpy. It was hot and muggy. 
And David was terrible. He had to repent to everybody afterwards. <laughs> Just kidding there. Okay. Church of the Harvest is a fishing church. So here in John 21, verse 11, it says, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish. I've thought about that before. What's a large fish? A large fish, and I have kind of an idea, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet no one of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So here it is, they fished all night, Jesus from the shore says, cast it on the other side, and they catch 153 fish, and it says they were all large fish. Now, Bible theologians tried to figure out why 153, because as you know, numbers mean something in the Bible. God is so complex, his mind is so awesome that everything in it means something. And this 153 had them baffled, but they went and they looked in the Hebrew, and Hebrew letters, and so the Greek letters, all had a, a number value to it. And when they looked it up, 153 equals sons of God. He was saying, this is what you're supposed to be doing. He was speaking to them, you're supposed to be fishing for men and women. That's what you're to be about. That's what you're to be doing. 153, uh, this shows up seven times in the Old Testament, and it's always associated with sons of God. But tradition tells us that 153 different kinds of fish were in that lake. This thing never ends. It just keeps on going. There's so many layers to God's wisdom. What does that show us? That his family is all kinds of people, all kinds of fish. And the net did not break. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know that net of God's is strong enough to hold you and bring you to him. He's got you. What's the net? The net's the gospel. The net is the gospel. Jesus tells us to throw out the net. Go fishing. We're to be a church that fishes. How do you do? You influence people for the kingdom. It didn't take a whole lot in this day and time. It's really great. You can just smile to somebody. They're not used to being smiled at. A lot of people, you get some department store person that's just about to pull their hair out because things are going bad and you come up and smile and you're good to them, you can engage and open up a door there very easily. But I got to thinking about how we make fishing. I used to fish. I do some bass fishing. And boy, my, my uncle, was uh, he fished with Bill Dance and he took me a couple times. I mean... It was, it was relaxing getting there, but once we got there, we were working it. Man, I'm just, 
I mean, we're everywhere working it and fishing and, and going. A great story, first time I went fishing with him, he caught this big old bass just real quick. And uh, he had two live wells. There's one by me. He said, open the live well. You know, he has this thing like he's going to throw it. I thought he was kidding. I go, you know, and drop it. He throws it in the air, hits the top of the live well, bounces into the water. Now, he laughed it off, but to me, that was a big fish. I want that fish. <laughs> and we caught a bunch more fish. But that's the way we kind of feel about fishing, you know, for people. We get all tense and... <laughs> I'm gonna... I don't want you to see my rod and reel, but... <laughs> But to be a natural, relaxing thing is part of our life. It's, it's not a hard thing. Somebody's having an issue, a problem, can I pray for you? Open the door and just walk in. It's, the, it's being good to people, being kind to people. It says that our good works show that there is a Heavenly Father. Being good to people. We're to be a fishing church. In Mark 1.17, Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I, I will make you become fishers of men. So he was telling them, Hey, I'm gone, but you're to be fishing. Go after people. This is interesting, but Jesus in the Greek alphabet means the number 888. 888. And it means salvation of God. 888. 1776 equals salvation of Israel. Now, I found this interesting, that July 4th, 1776, America became, we declared our independence from Britain. And what did we do? We in 1948, sponsored and promoted Israel to be a nation. I think there was prophetic insight in, in that. But here's the thing. 1776 equals salvation of Israel. 88 is a factor of that. 888 plus 888 equals 1776. What's it speak to us? 888, God is the salvation through Jesus Christ, the Son, to those who are not Jewish, to the Gentile world, and He is the salvation to Israel. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the salvation of God to all the earth. Numbers, it's... Layers of revelation in the Word of God. God speaking to us. It goes on in our text here in John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, Son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, 
son of Jonah. Do you love me? Peter's grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. What's he saying? He's saying once you catch the fish, once the person comes to the Lord, they need to be fed. They need the Word of God. They need to be discipled. That's what the church is about. Feed. Now, it's interesting to me, this is the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Jesus is coming to Peter. He's calling him to, to be a shepherd over the flock. And you find in Acts 20, verse 28, that flock means the lamb and sheep or the church. He calls the flock the church. He said, I want you to feed. Feed in the church, the flock, the lambs, the sheep. But he's given Peter opportunity to confess his love for him. He's dealing with his heart. And you see a humility in, in Peter this time. You remember Peter said, Lord, I'll never deny you. All men can deny you. I will not, unless it's a, a teenage girl by the fire when you're about to be crucified. <laughs> but this time he says, Lord, you know. Lord, you know. But I see here the compassion of our God, that before you can minister to the flock, you need to love me. Because, see, you really can't separate your love for God and love for people. There are people say, well, I love God, but I don't love people. No. The Bible actually says, how can you love a God you haven't seen if you don't love those that you see? And he's saying, Peter... Do you love me? Then feed the flock. And I love it. He says lambs. What's a lamb? A baby sheep. He said, I want you to feed the babies. I want you to feed the kids. I want you to feed the sheep, the adults. A church should look like this. It should be from the youngest to the oldest. That's the picture and what a church should look like. Just like what? A family. And that's what is being ministered, that the church is all kinds of people, all different ages, all different backgrounds, that come together are common cause. They've given their life to Jesus Christ, and they need to be fed and nourished and become strong and healthy and minister out to others and, and go fishing and help disciple and help encourage and pray for someone, receive prayer, give ministry, receive ministry, give encouragement, receive encouragement. Be a refuge from this world. It's called God's family. The church. That's what God wants. Number two, Church of the Harvest is a growing place. What is feeding about? Why do you feed a baby? Because you want them to grow. 
Why do you feed an adult? You want them to be nourished and to be healthy. Feeding is one of the main purposes of a church that you can grow. Say feeding. We all like to feed. Do you know natural feeding is important? We demonstrate that quite a bit every day. But you know spiritual feeding is more important than natural feeding. But how many times do we treat it that way? Feed means to tend, protect, provide, pastor, uh, guide, lead, defend, govern, shepherd. It, it, it's really being that, that protection. That's what leadership in churches to do. It's look after you. They're never, ever to make decisions for you. You're responsible for that. Give you the tools to help you make decisions, can give advice, but the decision is up to you. Because God never controls or manipulates anyone. Number three, Church of the Harvest is a place to serve. Ephesians 4.11, he gave himself some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And by the way, we call this fivefold, but there's every single fish, every single person in the body of Christ has a calling has a place of ministry. No one is better than someone else. For the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into all things, into him who is the head Christ, for whom the whole body, say the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Each part working effectively, doing its share, causes growth. Are you telling me, Pastor, that some of my growth is dependent on someone else in my family? That's what I'm telling you. There are places you cannot grow if you're not in planted in God's family. There's going to be situations and stuff that your family... You're going to have to work through. Hi. Just like you do your natural family. You're going to have to work through some things. There's going to be some growing. There's going to be some iron sharpening iron. There's some processing. We're all in process. And that's where our, our love for each other, we let people process. You make a difference. That's what this is saying. You make a difference. Well, pastor, I just feel like the little toe. The little toe, when things aren't going right for you, we know it big time. And we want things to go right for you. You're very important. We want you covered and protected. (laughs) Nothing in the way. You help with stability. 
We need you. We need each and every person in the body of Christ, in the family of God. We need you. It's important when you're here to worship and praise God. You're here on time, the worship starts, and you're just ready to worship. It causes worship to increase because you're here. When you pray, it causes power to be released. It's effective. We miss you when you're not here because no one can take your place. We need you. All of us function differently, but we're all necessary. God puts us in family together. That's the reason it's important to go not to the church of your choice, but you need to go to the church of his choice because he's the head and he knows where you need to be. It may not be the place that just tickles your ear all the time. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 is from the Amplified. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers as the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as we see the day approaching. I like to say, some assembly required. <laughs> when I look at the body of Christ, some assembly. You look at the church, some assembly required. And when I think about that, and I know probably a lot of you men have experienced that, it says very little, but some assembly required. You open up the box, and you can't understand it, then you realize you need English. It's in a different language. And you're going through this, and the pictures are so bad, there's parts missing, or you have a whole bunch of extra parts. And you're trying to put this thing, this easy assembly thing together. Well, I have good news for you. Concerning God's church, he assembles it. He puts it together. He knows where you need to be. He knows exactly what your function, your purpose is, and he can put you in that place where you can flow with him. He assembles us, and we have his word. The reason you have that passion for this certain area, because it's where God wants you. He's called you to that place. God puts us together. Number four, Church of the Harvest is a place that helps keep us accountable to God. Accountable to God. And I thought about this. You know, there's coming a day where each of us will stand before God and we'll give account for what we did in this earth. Your mama won't be there. Your mom, your dad, sister, brother won't be there. It'll be you and the Lord. And church helps prepare us. God put a group together, a family together, to help prepare us for that day, keep us focused and mindful that we're not just here for ourselves. We're here for him. Now, the good news, when you stand before him, all those things that you did wrong are burned up. I just don't want a huge bonfire. I don't know about you. 
Look at there. Wow, man, there's fire in heaven. Oh. Angels get the fire trucks. What in the world? Everybody's whispering. Uh, that's, that's Bob. So, wow. <laughs> uh, but it's burned up. And even if you did nothing for the Lord except got in the net, got stuck in the net, and he pulled you in, you know what? It says you're still saved, but as of fire. But see, as a church, we don't want that. We want rewards. We want to bring people in to the kingdom. We want to be discipled and disciple others. We want rewards. Anybody in here want rewards? Thought about their early church followers. When you read accounts about them, uh, lordship meant everything. I mean, when they gave their life and called Jesus Lord, they gave him Everything. That was complete surrender. And there's a culture thing that it's not surrender. It's like, I can live any way I want to during the week. Jesus doesn't follow me from Sunday into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday the rest of the week. But that's not lordship. I mean, he is to be a part of our life. I'm not talking about walking perfect. I'm talking about having a relationship with him. What happened to Thomas? You remember Thomas? He wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples and the first time, and he said, I don't believe. He said, and he had called him Lord before. He said, I, I don't believe he was raised from the dead unless I see him and put my hand into his side, into his hands. I'm not going to believe. And then it says, that Jesus came to him, and Thomas was among them. He said, peace be to you. He said, come, place your hand. He placed his hand. He said, be not unbelieving, but believe. You know what Thomas said? My Lord and my God. <laughs> See, lordship is, is that he is God. He is God. And church is to keep us accountable to the truth that we're living for Him. That's all about Him. Number five, church of the harvest is not accused, confused, or abused. You with the Word of God or any other way. Why did I put this? Because I see it. I see it. I see Preachers and people bringing guilt and condemnation, accusation. When we are a New Testament believer, in grace and truth is ours. And even if there is correction, it should come to a place that there's a settling peace about it. But, you know... Preachers are human, and they can get angry. I don't know if you've ever seen an angry preacher. The problem is, is when he doesn't come back and repent and ask forgiveness. Well, let someone be human, just like a, a missionary comes to America, and, the, and I understand the heart, what they have to deal with, because it's, 
How many know it's different over there than it is here? And they can come here and easily think that everyone here just doesn't care. We're just living a life of luxury, and they can get upset, and they start blasting the very ones that have sent them over there. <laughs> it's a pastor that he, he went into his, uh, um, the youth service, and there was a guilt trip there. This isn't our, our youth. Pastor John and Pastor Mandy did an awesome job. Amen? The youth show went nuts then. None here? <laughs> Give them a shout. And make them have some love here, you know. But he said his youth pastor was in there saying, you've got to win everyone in your school your high school to the Lord. Every single one. You should win the entire thing. And he said it was so heavy that he said he was just grieved. He called his youth pastor in and he said, I have a question for you. Did you win your high school to the Lord? He said, um, well, no. He said, actually, you know, I wasn't even saved then. <clears throat> And he said, well, he said, I got saved in high school. I played on the football team. I was popular, well-known. I was the one that had all the parties. I was an alcoholic. I gave my life to the Lord, and I was very vocal and, uh, about it because I had a platform. I had a place. And he said, at my high school, I won 30 people to the Lord. He said, the average American teenager is not going to do that, and you're putting a guilt trip on them. You don't have to win your entire high school to the Lord to love Jesus. But they can share with their friend. And he said there was just a guilt trip, accusation. See, we're accountable to God, but we're accountable as a church to each other. You know what for? To grow. To grow. Not perfection, but to grow. It's okay to ask your, your family here, are you growing? <laughs> and as you have influence in place, relationship, and there's mutual agreement, you can talk some deep, deeper things. But we're to love each other and be for each other. And we're not going to bring accusation we're not going to condemn people. We're going to let people process. We're going to let people process. If, you're, if you know someone that's in a church and being abused, I will say the same thing I would say to someone in the natural. Get out. The head of the church is not abusive. He's a good heavenly father. And every time I, I see it, that's the reason I don't watch a lot of Christian TV. Because a, a guilt trip doesn't do you any good. But I tell you what will do you good, knowing how much the Heavenly Father loves you. And he's called you with a purpose. 
and he'll give a passion in your heart, and he'll give you grace to give you the ability to fulfill the very decision and commitment that you make. It'll be through his strength and his power because he's called you to be free, to enjoy life, and know that he's on the throne, and it's he that does it in you. It's not of you. It's of him. And he receives all the glory and all the praise and all the honor. And I'm not saying that we can't have a challenging word. We can have that. But there's, there's a difference. There's a difference in accusation, condemnation. There's a difference in that and responsibility. And we teach responsibility. Amen? Let's bow our heads. I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you haven't made that decision to make him Lord. It's the greatest decision that you can make in this life. Will you accept the gift of salvation? How do you do it? You just mean from your heart that, Lord, I need you, and I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm going to follow you. He'll give you the strength to follow him. And you, you keep listening to his word. You read the Bible. Get involved in church. And God will cause you to grow and get you in the right place. And your life will be changed. Forever you'll be his. No one looking around. If you never called upon Jesus for your salvation, or maybe you've done this in the past, but you know you're not connected with him, and you need to connect today, you can get in on this prayer too. He wants you to have the joy of your salvation. That's you, I just want you to lift your hand up and say, that's me, and we're going to pray together. I'm not going to ask you to come down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Everyone say, Dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. He died for me to save me. He went to the cross, and I died with him there. But I was raised up. As I look to you, Lord, my sins are forgiven. I receive new life. In Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 890 1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.